following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Hallelujah, the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. The message the Lord has given me, Americana. Lord, you promised that those who would keep your commandments, you would love them and you would manifest yourself to them. I ask that you would do that in this house today. In the name of Jesus. I have such fond memories growing up in America. Such wonderful things that are American. I mean, my brother's here today. Just this morning, we were talking about in Roanoke, in southern Virginia, where my grandmother lived. We used to go to a place called Lakeside. It was an amusement park, and we'd grab the, uh, the burlap sacks and go to the top of the tower and ride the slides down. And this is America to me. These were the things that were just so wonderful, a very safe life. These things in America you begin to trust them. They begin to become your culture. They become your comforts. Uh, There's still restaurants that I I go into, and I love it. You look around, and there's Americana all over the walls. I mean, there's the old pictures of Elvis and Billy Holly and, excuse me, Buddy Holly. and uh, It was still before my time. Uh, But all these things, the Lord had blessed me to live and grow up in an era of peace, and safety, and prosperity. I didn't ever have to go to war. My dad, he had to go to war. His dad, he had to go to war. I was born right when America was pulling out of Vietnam. I will be 36 this month. I've never seen a day of war. See, 
another part of this Americana is this U.S. military of ours. I mean, World War II, for example. We begin to see Hitler march across Europe with his stormtroopers, raping, pillaging, burning nations, killing the Jews. And Americans rise up. Now, I want to say, I very much so believe that the American government and the highest echelons had ulterior motives for all of these things. and all of these wars, I'm talking about the people of America, the people that Jesus is looking at, the men that left their families and their children and their businesses and took up arms to go fight an invader that would never, ever make it to our land. Fifty million people died. Fifty million people. This is what made America great. This is what made America the most powerful juggernaut upon the planet that it is today. It was the men and the women. It's the people that Jesus see. Let's see, something begins to happen when you grow up in America. When you grow up in a fortress, you are entitled to the safety of that fortress. You're entitled entitled to the prosperity and the provision of that fortress. You are entitled to the pride of that fortress. You begin to think of yourself as the American culture thinks of itself, bulletproof. That nothing can ever bad happen to me. And if it does, somehow we're going to pull ourselves out of it and keep on going. I mean, America... It's never lost a war. No, we've lost wars again and again, but did it bother us? No. We could go in when we wanted. We could leave when we wanted with impunity, and it never affected us. We could go in and destroy another nation, kill innocent people. And if it began to look bad for us, we'd just leave. I don't want, to, I don't want you to misunderstand. I love America with all of my heart. I love this nation. I love the environment that I grew up in until it became very destructive to me. See, when we begin to to trust in this, it changes us. There was a day in Israel. It had become this way in Israel, in Elijah's day. Israel had just come into their new world. I mean, America came into the new world, and everything was open for us. Israel came in to the promised land of Cana, They had come in through the desert under Moses. And then they had finally come in to actually take the land under the leadership of Joshua, who's a warrior. They absolutely annihilated everybody in the land under the blessing of God. They had all their houses already built for them. They had all their fields already planted. They had the vineyards. They had everything. They had the the crops in the field. They had the... uh, The sheep, they had the herds, they had everything. They literally walked in and took everything. Well, that begins to do something to a person. That begins to build a culture in a land, very much so like the culture that we have today in America. Because we were able to come in and do anything we want and take everything and rise. And everybody was under our feet. So I want you to see... There's a parallel from Elijah's day in America today, even more so. There was a problem, though. There was a problem. Israel believed the lie. 
of the Canaanites. The lie was this, that if they wanted to have the prosperity that the Canaanites enjoyed, they would have to serve the God of that land. Well, there wasn't supposed to be any Canaanites left. The Lord said, utterly destroy them. And when they disobeyed, the Lord finally said, okay, you disobeyed me. They're now going to be a thorn in your side and a prick in your eye. Well, many of the ancient people believed that deities or gods were geographical. Okay, so Israel just walked in and began to adopt the pagan beliefs of the land and said, okay, well, we came to the land of milk and honey. I mean, look at everything. All the houses are here. They're beautiful. They're all the the established vineyards and and the crops and the produce. And, you know, obviously we're going to have to worship the God of this land. Even though they had been promised prosperity, they'd been promised provision from the Lord God under one condition that they would keep his commandments. All of this would be given to them. But they came into this place and said, wait a second, this is a great deal. How do we keep it going? Then the production began. The God of this land was a God by the name of Baal. Like I said, they believed in geographical gods. So there was the Baal of Bamoth, there was the Baal of Peor, there was the Baal of Shalashiah, there was the Baal of this and that. But Baal means master in Hebrew or the possessor. It means one who exhibits dominion over another. Okay, so they came from the Lord God. See, names aside real quick. Names are very important. God, the Lord God has many names. Jesus means he saves. His name says what he does. Baal's name says what he does. He is the possessor. So as they come into this Canaanite land and they begin to worship these gods because they figured for their protection and for the prosperity of the land to continue, they would have to. They never kicked the Lord God out. It was always, we'll serve the Lord, we'll serve Baal. I'll serve the Lord, I'll serve Baal. Now let's be very clear who Baal was. He was the God of fire. He was the God of rain and lightning. Now, we're talking about an agrarian culture. We're talking about a culture where if the rains didn't come in seasons to the day, they would be wiped out. There'd be no food. There'd be no money. There'd be no prosperity. He was a prosperity God. They begin to worship this God of prosperity because they believe if they don't, the Lord won't give it to them. Now, it's the same in America today. In America today... Everything is based on performance. Everything in America is performance. I I was sitting at a stoplight the other day, and I'm watching the traffic go by, and I see, you know, an old Delta 88 go by. Excellent condition. (laughs) That's a working man. That's a working man. Well, I see the 500 SL, though, come behind him with a guy in his white shirt and tie and and the, you know, Bluetooth phone in his ear. A $100,000 car. Now that guy, we know what he's doing. And then you got the little old lady in the, in the Camry that comes around. He's probably just come middle of the line, perhaps been a school teacher whole life. It was all performance, though. It's how far they decided to go in school. It's how far they decided to climb the ladder of success. It was how much they were willing to sacrifice of their lives or their family to get what they needed or to get what they wanted. 
I mean, this is America today. Does that seem bad to you? It never did to me. It's what I've been taught since I was a child. It's not what I did when, since I was a child, but my father, I mean, my, my, my family, my dad used to always, David, you're very smart. There's no, absolutely, you have no excuse not to be able to do this, go to college, gain this, do this. And it was always perform, perform, perform. The problem was I couldn't perform. I felt I was stupid and I just couldn't do it. And what was wrong with me? And why was everybody else around me prospering? Why was everybody else around me getting degrees in college, getting the good jobs? I mean, getting married at an early age. I mean, all this stuff was going on around me. But for some reason, I couldn't perform. And it burned in me. We have to understand today what the sin in the Garden of Eden really was. Because when you understand what the original sin was, you'll understand the message today. First Kings, 16th chapter. Ahab had come into power. His father was Omri. He had done a grand building project. He had built Samaria. There was great prosperity in Israel. They were making the deals with the Canaanite people, the nations around them. They were marrying kingdoms. You know, royal families were marrying other royal families, and the deals were going, and the money was flowing. Uh, Historical, secular historical records say Ahab had thousands and thousands and thousands of horses. Uh, The law said that the king of Israel could collect no horses. So what this was was a great sign that Israel had gone after wealth. They had gone after prosperity. They had transgressed the law of God. And they did it with impunity. They didn't care anymore. The Lord had become a distant thing to them. Well, Ahab makes a does one of these royal marriages. The woman's name was Jezebel. She was the daughter of Ethbaal. Ethbaal was the king of the Sidonians. Sidonian, uh, Sidon was a, <clears throat> a seaside city that was a great port of trade. So basically what Ahab did is he married into the rich girl's family and he could begin to use their port and to bring all the goods into Israel. I mean, this is what we do in America today. We are a port nation, so therefore we can trade with the world. Very much so, we have followed this same course. But it says, after he married Jezebel, king of, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. He came into this culture, the Sidonian culture, where everything was free. I mean, everything was up for grabs. They could do anything. I mean, the, the worship of Baal was very wicked. I mean, they believed, since Baal was a prosperity god and their prosperity was the rain, that during certain seasons of the year, when the rains wouldn't come, Baal went down into the ground. Okay, So they would set up temples where they would have sexual cultic practices to call Baal back out of the ground to awaken him. Well, this is how they worshipped Baal today. We don't worship Baal the same way. But you understand what they were doing. They were doing to bring back the prosperity. So this is a key that you have to look for because this Baal God is still in power today. He is still in power today. He is not divine, but he is the God of this world. And then Elijah. I love Elijah. He gives me great comfort because he used to think it was all about him also. It wasn't. I've fallen into that trap again and again. Elijah gives me great comfort. 
It says, now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. We see a nation go towards the God of prosperity and begin to cast off the Lord God. The judgment of God falls upon the nation. No rain. No rain means no wine. No rain means no olive trees. It means no oil. It means no produce. I mean, this was the breadbasket of the Middle East. It means we're wiped out. Three and a half years, no rain. Three and a half years later, Elijah resurfaces. And he comes to Ahab in verse 18 of 1 Kings 18. Elijah said to him, is this you, excuse me, Ahab said to Elijah, is this you, troubler of Israel? Elijah said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. Verse 18 is very clear. We have the scriptures given to us for a reason. They are given to us to show us the ways of God to teach us the character of God, and he never, ever changes. So you see, as he has operated in the scriptures, is how he operates today. From this verse 18, we now have the information about the character and the ways of God, that when the government, the highest echelon of authority in a government, says, I'm going to follow prosperity, and I'm going to worship the Baal God, judgment falls. It's only a matter of time. So there's been no rain. Ahab says to the church, if you will, it's your fault. Elijah says, now then, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a message among the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate or waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Well, this this phrase, how long will you hesitate between two opinions, it's very strange. In the Hebrew, it means, how long will you, how long are you hopping between two forks? How long are you hopping between two forks? That's very odd to me. What that tells me is the people of Israel at this time were hopping back and forth from Christianity to prosperity. Christianity to prosperity. So they'd taken the God of the Christians, and now they're taking the God of prosperity also. And Elijah, and first of all, the Lord has now put judgment on the nation for it. And now Elijah is coming and saying, when are you going to choose whom you're going to serve? When are you going to stop hopping back and forth? This hopping back and forth in America, there's something that many of us don't know. I didn't know till recently until I saw some historical, uh, secular biographies on it. The founders of America, first of all, all belonged to secret societies that worshipped the Baal God. It wasn't a secret. They were all Masons. The God of the Masons is Baal. 
nearly every single signer of the Declaration of Independence was a Mason. Everybody from George Bush, excuse me, George Washington to George Bush and his daddy today, Bill Clinton, I mean, it just goes Thomas Jefferson right down the line. They were Masons. These secret societies have been around for some 3,000 years. They claim 3,000 years in existence. America was founded with deep, deep roots of occultism. Everybody believes today that America was founded on mom, apple pie, and the Bible. It's not true. There was a very, very, there was a strong battle going on between Christianity and between the occultism, literally Luciferianism at the time. There was always the Christian presence, but it was never the men who called the shots. And it was never the men who laid the foundations of the cities of this nation or laid the foundation of our laws. It was always hopping between two forks. We'll take some of the laws of the Bible. We'll take some of the occultism of the ancient Babylonian mystery religions. I mean, this is the syncretism that was, that was formed to make America to make it the great democratic nation it was today. It's very interesting to me that even 3,000 years ago, these secret societies, their greatest goal and desire was something that you would never imagine, democracy. Democracy. America was not formed as a democracy. It was a republic. Why would an ancient people be looking for democracy? You have to understand when this idea of democracy came about, this was heresy in the highest order. There was nothing but kingdoms. You begin to talk about a nation run by the people, they'll kill you. It'll hung you. It'll burn you at the stake. So we have today now this great democratic party in America. The God of America is Baal. It's not Jesus Christ. It's never been Jesus Christ. There's always been the war there. But the God of America has been Baal. The Lord, as he promised in the word, in every generation has left a remnant to carry his name. And there has always been a remnant in America of Christianity. Today, it is a people that hop between two forks. Something very important, and I'm going to get specific with it now. There are two ways. There's only two ways. There are two ways to gain provision for your family in the world today. One of them is the worship of Baal. It is the performance God of America. How well can I perform? How well can I provide? How long can I work? What deal can I strike? Who's going to give me the money? I'll do whatever I have to do to provide for my family, but I will be the provider. See, this was the sin of Ahab. He said, I'm going to go serve the ones who can give me, and I'll be the man. I'll be the provider. Forget the Lord God of heaven. I'll go to the banks. I'll work 20 hours a day. I'll do side jobs. How about this? I'll just go to my job, but you know what? I'm going to do my job there better than anybody else. It's Baal worship. It's Baal worship. 
It, it's saying that I am still the one in control. Now, some of you are saying, brother, I think you're off base. Remember I said about Genesis? Let's go to Genesis real quick. The third chapter, verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. He was speaking of the tree of the garden, the tree in the middle of the garden. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord had said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of every tree of the garden. Do not eat of that one. If you do, you'll die. The devil comes with the lie. Surely you're not going to die. God's holding out on you. I mean, if you eat it, your eyes will be open. You'll know good and evil. And you know what? You'll be the one in control then. You'll be the one who can produce then. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. When the eyes of both of them were opened... They knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. You see, when their eyes were open and they finally saw that they were naked, it was because they had lost the covering of God. And now they had to go produce to make their own covering. They had to cover themselves now. They had to produce to eat. They had to produce to live. They had to produce to provide for their family. The greatest sin, the original sin, was the lust and the desire to produce for yourself. The curse. The Lord God, Adam, where are you? He's hiding, scared of the Lord now. I mean, that's... That's the inhabitants of the earth today. We're hiding from God because we're scared of him, because we lost his covering, and we're out producing for ourselves. The Lord God said to the serpent, said to the devil, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. I'll put hatred between you and mankind. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head and and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you listen to your wife, And have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. God cursed the ground. You have to, if you don't understand the Garden of Eden, everything was given to us. We already had life. We were able to eat of the tree of life, which symbolizes Jesus Christ. 
We had that already. We had our food given to us. We had our water given to us. We had our wives given to us. We had the animals. We had our provision. We had everything that the heart of man desired to have given to us. That's how we were created. It was a gift. The curse was that now, see, there's something very interesting about God. I've seen it again and again. He will most of the time give a man what he wants. He'll give a leader of a people the type of person they want. He'll give, he'll give a church the type of pastor they want to preach the kind of messages they want. The real sin here was this lust and this desire to produce and to control. So the Lord said, okay, you'll produce all right. You go out and toil at the ground. It's not going to bring forth the beautiful fruits anymore. You're going to labor. You're going to toil. You're going to sweat by your face, and you're going to get thorns and thistles out of it. Go. That's what you wanted. You got it. So now I go back, and I say, Baal is the God of America. You get it yet? Isn't it amazing that the most natural thing that would rise up out of the heart of man, the most natural base thing, there is no way in our own understanding that we could even ascertain that it's wrong would take us to hell. It was the curse of God on us that I am to get up every morning, I'm to go out, I'm to toil, I'm to labor, I'm to perform, I'm to do the best I can because I have, for me, I got to meet the payroll. My guys don't eat. So I got to go out and I got to work 21 hours a day. I got to take the trips down to Richmond. I got to do this. I got to work all night. I got to, if I'm not in the field, if I'm not taking road trips, if I'm not in 150 degree attics, I'm writing up the, the, the estimates all night long till the wee hours of the morning. If, and if I don't get it done, my guys don't eat. Well, I tell you, because that's how I've been operating. The judgment of God has been on my business. The judgment of God has been upon me. You know how this came about? The other way. Way number two, you gain provision on the earth for your family. Let's talk about that for a minute. It's called the everlasting covenant. It's called the promises of God. It was called at Calvary when Jesus Christ died. And he offered up that blood sacrifice. Every curse in the earth realm was broken. The curse of the garden was broken. But we love the curse of the garden. It fulfills our heart. We get to go out and produce. We get to feel fulfilled. It's such a lust of my heart to produce. It's the lust of America to produce. Production. And if we don't produce, we're nobody. We might as well just go and die. Christianity. It's promise-based. It's not performance-based. It's promise-based. The worship of Baal is performance-based. Psalm 5, verse 11 and 12. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exalt in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favors with the shield. There's the covering of God. It's back. It's back. It's only under Jesus Christ that the covering of God comes back. But see, there's, 
There's a problem. My heart still wants to produce. I still want to worship Baal because that's what I've been taught. And still, I can hardly find anything that's wrong with it. It's all I know. It's all I know. So, Peter says that we enter into the divine nature through the precious promises. I never understood that. I do now. The way we enter into the divine nature is as we take these promises out of Scripture and we take them into our prayer closet when we can't pay the guys. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to the bank. I'm not going to get a loan. I'm not working 21 hours a day. Sacrificing the time with my family. Not reading the Scriptures. I'm not sacrificing Jesus to go out and pay the guys. If I give the guys and my business and everything. You see, I still have to go out and operate this business every day, but that's not mine. That's why the covering of God has come upon me now. It's Jesus's. It's his responsibility. It's, Lord, you said that you would shelter me if I would seek refuge in you. Another word for that translation for refuge in this passage, for those, let all who take refuge in you, be glad. Uh, The King James says, for all who trust in you. That word trust in the Hebrew means to flee for protection. To flee for protection. So as I come and I say, Lord, I am fleeing to protection for you. I have no backup plan. If you do not come through, these men won't be paid. They'll starve. We're out of business. But Lord, it's your business. That's okay. If that's what you want, that's it. If I perish, I perish. And then it really gets hard when I say, okay, if my guys perish, I perish. If my family perishes, I perish. Well, now you're going to get people gritting their teeth at you. It's not just you sacrificing your life for Jesus anymore. It's you sacrificing your kids, sacrificing your wife, your mother. If I perish, I perish. That's the easy step. Put your family on the altar. Remember, it's through the precious promises that we enter into the divine nature. How? How does that work? Pick a promise, go home, begin to press it. Give it a little time. It'll begin to press back. Yes. It'll begin to press back on your life. So here I am day after day crying out to the Lord. Can't pay the bills. Can't pay the payroll. You said, Lord, that you would shelter me if I would seek flee to you for protection. If I would seek my only place of refuge in you, I would not come up with a secondary plan. Well, God's got seven days to answer, and if not, I'm going to go get a loan. God will never answer you. You're done. Forget about it. If you have a backup plan, any way to save yourself, it's God will not answer you, and he will not move heaven and earth. Your prayers won't be answered. I've begun to realize that the only reason that my prayers are answered, and I tell you, and I'm not shy to confess, my prayers are getting answered now. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. Because all of the promises are yes and amen in him. It's how we enter into the divine nature. So as I press this again and again and again and say, Lord, you said if I would hide in you, You'd deliver me. You'd place the covering of God back on me. Okay. David, you're worshiping Baal. What? What do you mean I'm worshiping Baal? You're not seeking refuge in me. You're working 21 hours a day. 
you're out there saying, nobody else can do this but you. Everybody else is an idiot. They can't do the job right. You're the man, David. Have at it. Work by the sweat of your brow to get your bread. I will not move heaven and earth for you. Okay. I repent. What do I do? Call Debbie, cancel the jobs. I give up. I abdicate my sword. It's over. If we die, we die. The Lord speaks. I've removed the barrenness from my company. I'll bless it now. I had to repent of Baal. I had to repent of Baal. You want your prayers answered? You want provision for your family? Repent. Or do you want to still go out and work by the sweat of your brow? And struggle and strive and sacrifice your life. And yes, it will take you to hell. First Kings, 18th chapter. Elijah on Mount Carmel. Only half the prophets showed up. The prophets of Baal showed up. Elijah said to them, go ahead, choose yourself an ox. Put that ox on the altar. Don't put, put the wood under the altar. Don't light it. You call out to your God of fire. You call out to your God of lightning. And if he answers, serve him. He's God. He must be God. Something very interesting to me. I never thought about it. These men would have been crazy if Baal hadn't answered by fire before. He had. He was the God of lightning. He was the God of this world. He controls the atmospheres. The prophets of Baal begin to call out, Oh, Baal, answer us. And they leaped about on the altar they made. Well, first of all, when they asked, it didn't work, so they had to start to perform. And when the performance didn't work, they had to start cutting themselves according to their custom, it said. That was their custom. It was this flesh worship that said, I'll do whatever I have to do now to get this God to answer. I'll cut myself. I'll let the blood flow. It says their custom was they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. Well, today we just go and work our fingers to the bones, perhaps till the blood gushes out of them. That's what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks. Same God. We just worship him different today. We just worship him differently. There was no answer. There was no answer. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come. These people had the word of the Lord come to him. I tell you, there's a famine in the land today. And if the word of the Lord comes to you, you better run with it. You better run with that word because it will save you. It will change you. It will bring the fire of God into your life. Elijah prays, answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back again, back from their prosperity, back from their lust for accomplishment. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Baal was exposed. 
I want you to know in America today, the fire of God will not fall until Baal is exposed. The fire of God will not come into this church until this church corporately repents of its worship of the prosperity God. We all love him dearly. I have. You're my brothers and sisters. Took it literally a slap in the face from the Holy Spirit for me to even realize how I have loved him and served him wholeheartedly. When all the people saw it, they saw the fire of God fall. They fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. He is the one. Elijah says, Ahab, go up and eat and drink. I hear the sound of rain. Remember, it hadn't rained in three and a half years. Baal is confronted and exposed. The fire falls. When the people finally turn their hearts, the rain of God comes. The provision of God comes. The blessing back on a nation comes. The blessing back on a church comes. Revival comes. The Holy Spirit comes. When we finally say, Baal, I will not serve you anymore in my behavior, in my activities, in my desire to take care of my family, I won't serve you anymore. Not knowing all along that this has been the block between revival and our hearts. This is why revival hasn't come to America in a hundred years. Because we serve him wholeheartedly. Many of you have said, God won't give me this and God won't give me this. You repent of the Baal worship and the rain will come to your life. The provision of God will come to your life. Revival in America will come when the church repents of their prosperity, God. And I stand by faith that he is going to do it. And he's going to do it soon. There's one last part I have to share with you. The Lord's judgment is on America. Time is short. He has ordered judgment on America. He has wept over her. This is about Jesus. It's not about us. Jesus loves America. He loves the people. He hates the government. He hates what they've done. He hates what they've stood for. He loves the men and the women and the children. He loves his church. He wants to save America. And he knows the only way to do that now is to put the pinch on her. He loves this giant and she is a giant. So I have to read this to you. I believe from the preponderance of the evidence in Scripture and the preponderance of the evidence that I see in the world today that there is only one nation that will fulfill the description I am about to read to you. The Scriptures call a nation in the end of time called Babylon. It's America. I'm not the only one who believes it. This just didn't come up this morning. There are many trusted competent ministers of the gospel that would bank their life, their ministry, their families, everything they have, that Babylon is America. I'm going to share it with you. It's Revelations, the 18th chapter. You, you decide. I'm going to put the evidence before you. You're the jury today. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. 
And the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all of the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice coming from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. That's the message today. Come out of her, my people. So that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. The plagues are coming on America. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid and give it back to her double. According to her deeds in the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously. To the same degree, give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and I am not a widow. And I will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come. In one day, it'll happen. In one day. Pestilence, mourning, famine, and she will be burned with fire. For the Lord God who judges her is mighty. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and every kind of citron wood and every article of ivory made of costly woods, bronze, iron and marble, cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil and fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and cargoes and horses and chariots and slaves and the souls of men. The fruit you long for is gone from you. The prosperity that you long for is gone. That's the only way America will ever repent. When her bail God is taken away from her. And all the things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you. And men will no longer find them. Men will no longer very soon find prosperity in America. The economy will be destroyed. If you look back historically, every nation on the earth that has ever begun, as the scriptures say, to speak like a dragon, to become an imperialist nation, has been judged by God. Every nation. Look in the history books. It wasn't until Afghanistan and Iraq that America became an imperialistic nation. When we finally began to attack countries that did not threaten us. 
That's when we became like Hitler. That's when we became like Japan. That's when we became like Rome. That's when we came like Greece. That's when we became like Babylon. Hey, let's go back through the history books. It's all there. Every single one of those societies absolutely wiped out by the judgment of God. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping, and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste. That's why I say the economy is going to go. It's just not my opinion. It's what the Bible says. And every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many as make their living by the sea or by trade stood at a distance and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like the great city? I mean, what nation is like America on the earth today? There isn't one. There's not one that can fulfill the description of the scriptures. And they threw dust on their heads and were crying and weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she has been laid waste. Now rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints, you saints. And apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Isn't that odd? God's going to level judgment against this nation for his church. Why? Because his church finally repented of Baal and finally began to weep over the wickedness and the souls of men that were going to hell. Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. And the sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeteers will not be heard in you any longer. And no craftsmen of any craft will be found in you any longer, you plumbers and electricians and whatever you do says your craft's going to be wiped out. And the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. No more production for America. No more industrial juggernaut for America. Oh, we already see it happening. Look what's happening in China. I mean, let's look. Let's be a lawyer today. Let's look at the preponderance of evidence in the earth and in the scriptures. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will not be heard in you any longer. Now, this is judgment on the church. The lampstand will be taken away from the church of America. There'll be no more you hooing about the bridegroom cometh. No, the bridegroom's coming and bringing judgment on his church. The lampstand will be taken away from the church of America. He'll call out before he does this a remnant people. That if they perish, they perish, and many of them will. And that's what the next passage of Scripture says. Not only will the light of a lamp not shine in you any longer, the voice of the bridegroom and the bride, that's Jesus Christ and his church, will not be heard in you any longer. Be scattered. 
for your merchants were the great men of the earth. Donald Trump, Bill Gates, Rockefeller. I mean, let's just go, let's go on down the line. The great merchants of the earth. They all came out of America. The industrial age. The production of America. Because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. That word in the Greek is pharmakia. Pharmakia, where we get the word pharmacy. It means medicine. Then it means drugs. Then it means poison. And then it means witchcraft. Basically what he's saying, you sold your drugs to the whole earth. You sold your witchcraft and your medicine, your sorcery. It was called the, the, the wine of the passion, another drug, the wine of the passion of your immorality you sold to the nations of the earth, your wickedness. You drugged them with your prosperity, God, Baal. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. That, I believe, will be in a time that comes in the, in the future, I don't know how long, when Christians will be persecuted. I mean, guys, remember, we live in the fortress. You go look at every place else in the world. Christians are being killed for their faith. They're being murdered. They're being put in prison in China and North Korea by the tens of thousands. This is already happening everywhere but in the fortress of America. It will come here next. Lord Jesus, have mercy on my nation. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. from falling and to present you blameless.